We're in Jeremiah chapter 7 this morning. How to live when the world is upside down. I remember when I was a child, I used to wonder how people who lived on the bottom side of the earth in Australia and places, how they managed to stay on. I thought they must have sticky feet. Uh, And I was very young at the time. It was back when I wondered if people really lived inside the TV set. Uh, But as I grew up, and as they say, I was led by the science, I discovered this amazing constant called gravity that was that was pushing down on on the earth all of the time, holding everything onto the surface of the earth. And Jeremiah lived in a pretty upside-down world in that everything was changing around him. And we can feel like that at times as well, where we are in our world today. And here's an interesting thing that's happening. The things that we thought were constants, the things we thought we could rely on, are being discovered as not being true constants. We're finding our freedoms are more restricted than ever before. Remember when we had that whole conversation about Brexit and freedom of movement? Well, we seem to be in a rather different place now, don't we? Our relationships have changed for a season. Our work and family patterns have been altered. Our economy is super fragile. And our own personal outlook and finances are uncertain at this time. But do you know, the blessing in the midst of this is this, when things that aren't true constants get discovered for what they are, we discover what the true constants are. And here's what Jeremiah was preaching to his generation in chapter 7, that God is the only true constant. There's nothing else like him that you can put your trust in. And today, that's the invitation to you and me as well, to put our trust in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, And today, the blessing for us available is this, is to put our hope and our trust fully in him. Now, central to chapter 7 is God's desire for relationship with his people. And it comes across like a marriage vow. He says in verse 23, I will be your God and you will be my people. Now, isn't that an astonishing thing for the creator of the universe to say to anybody, to say, I'm going to be your God and look after you and you're going to be my people, my special people. We love it, don't we? When, when we're allowed to marry people again, we'll look forward to that time when the bridegroom looks at his bride and he says, I'm going to take you as my wife and I'm going to give myself as a husband to you. And then the bride will respond, I'm going to be your wife and I'm going to take you as my husband. Well, when God utters these words, says, you'll be my people and I'll be your God, he's looking for a response. The right response that Israel should have made was, we'll have you as our God and we will be your people. And that's the response that God would have us make today as well. So we call that faithfulness. And if you want a message, a title for this message today, we could call it Living Faithfully. And we find straight away in verse 9 of chapter 7 that Israel wasn't faithful. Jeremiah calls them out on breaking five of the Ten Commandments. I know that some of you are going to be sitting exams this week and you might have had an exam paper that said something like, here's ten questions, attempt any five. Well, it wasn't like that with the Ten Commandments, but Israel treated it that way. So it says, will you steal and murder? 
Will you commit adultery and perjury? Will you burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known? Here's what was going on. They were carving big blocks of wood and putting ugly faces on them and sticking them on poles. And they said, this one, this Baal, he's going to help us with fertility. This Baal, he's going to help us with, uh, with romance. This Baal, he's going to help us with the economy, with our crops growing. This one's going to help us with the weather. And worst of all, they took all these things and they put them in the temple of God. And they said, you know what? It's all under one roof. We love God. We love Baal. We love these other idols. God is okay with this. And Jeremiah assured them that God was not okay with this. You know, this God in the Bible, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Sometimes we talk about Jesus being Lord and Savior as if they're two separate things. But in reality, the only deal that God will have is to be both of those things for us. Now, Jeremiah calls them back to the plan and purpose of God. We're going to read verses 22 to 24. I want to encourage you, if you're at home, to grab a real Bible off your shelf if you've got one, just so you can look at the verses as well as the screen at the same time. Verse 22. For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it might go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclination of their evil hearts. They went backwards and not forwards. There's a choice for us today. I know we're all sitting with limited movement available to us at the moment. But do you see at the end of those verses, there's a choice between moving backwards or moving forwards. And wherever we're sitting today, here's the choice before us. We can move forward in faithfulness to God or we can move backwards today. Now, I spotted an acronym in these verses. I don't know if you spotted it as well, because God says faithfulness looks like this. It looks like to obey, to walk, and to listen. That spells the word owl. Now, I was trying to think of some really cool reason why owl was a good acronym. I couldn't find one, to be honest, but here's a couple of fun facts about owls. Um, do you know owls have unbelievably long legs under their feathers? Uh, do you know that uh, owls fly silently in solitude through the night? You can't hear them at all. Do you know that a group of owls is called a parliament? Uh, and many things. Kids, if you're still listening, you could email me your fun fact about owls. I think the solitude and uh, distancing must be getting to me. But let's get back to the verses here. So, obey. So, verse 22, O-W-L, obey is the first one. I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command, obey me and I'll be your God and you will be my people. Interesting thing, the whole of the old covenant, if you read it, you'd think, well, there's a lot of sacrifice in here. The whole system was built on sacrifices that God ordained and God designed. But you know, there's something that God cares about far more. Sacrificial systems are way, way second compared with what goes on in your heart. God says he values obedience more than all of the sacrificial system. 
we have a tendency as human beings to think that God values busyness and activity and methodology. Actually, the thing that God values more than anything is the obedience and the simplicity of obedience in our hearts. On another occasion, in a generation before, King Saul was given a military victory by God. And God had been very clear with him. He said, Saul, you need to kill every animal and not bring any back. And Saul decided he was going to keep a few animals and offer them as a private sacrifice to God a bit later on. You know, God wasn't pleased with him. God took his kingship away from him because of that event. God values obedience. The prophet comes to Saul and he says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Let me ask you today, are you holding out on God in any critical area of obedience or any area of obedience that he asks you to? Maybe it's baptism. God's telling you, you need to get baptized. Maybe it's to forgive somebody. That's tough, isn't it? Because forgiving is hard. Maybe God's speaking to you about doing something and you know he wants you to do it. Corey Ten Boom said this, don't bother to give God instructions, just report for duty. That's the heart that God would have us have if we're to be faithful to him. Here's the second command, to walk. Verse 23, it says, walk in obedience to all I command you that it might go well with you. So obedience is momentary decision-making. Obedience is always about making choices. Walking is about the process that follows. Walking is about the follow-through. Walking is about the plodding that a decision then requires to make it happen. Now, it strikes me that some of us are better at one of those things than the other. I wonder which of those you are. I wonder if you're good at making decisive decision action plans or whether you're better at just plodding and just moving things along but not always totally clear what that decision was. Well, in Micah chapter 4, verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. It's that word, walk again. Justice, mercy, day-to-day living, humility. There's another character in Genesis chapter 5. We don't know very much about him. His name is Enoch. And it just says this about him. Enoch, he had some kids and he walked with God and then God took him away. And here's the interesting thing about Enoch. If we met Enoch today and we processed him through the normal set of questions that we ask new people that we meet... And we'd ask him what career he had and what what did he do with his life and what were his hobbies. I think we'd be singularly unimpressed with him. And yet, he got the main thing right. He walked with God. He walked with God. Perhaps the point of this season in where God seems to be taking so many of our activities away from us is this, that we learn to walk with God. Maybe that's meant to come to the top of the pile in this season so that we can learn what is truly valuable. 
You know, Jesus is a walking saviour. He walked on the road to Emmaus. He walked alongside those disciples. He walks alongside you today. He's the companion. Even if you're watching this alone, he's sitting beside you on your sofa today. He's saying, what do you think about what Dan's saying? Maybe he's saying, I'd give it a five out of ten. And you maybe say, well, that's a bit harsh. I'd give it seven. Um, He's walking alongside you today to guide you and to help you. How's your walk going? And here's the third thing we read in these verses. O-W-L. Listen. Verse 24. They did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backwards and not forwards. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. Faithfulness looks like listening. Jesus said, consider carefully then how you listen. John chapter 10 verse 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. It's one of the hallmarks of being the people of God. If you follow him, then you're profoundly interested in what he's saying. There was a time when Jesus climbed a mountain with some disciples and he was transfigured before them. And they got all busy, busy. And a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. You know, listening to God looks like listening to Jesus and loving Jesus and holding him in the highest place. There's a well-known verse in Revelation 3, verse 20. It says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's a, it's a famous uh, verse which somebody once drew a painting of, uh, Holman Hunt. It's a very famous painting and uh, it will display on your screen. And somebody, after he painted this painting, which depicts this verse, an art critic came up to him. And it wasn't your typical art critic who was commenting on the hue or the colour, all of those things. Uh, th- this critic just came along and he said, huh, you've missed out the handle on the door. And... Uh, <laughs> that you love critics. Holman Hunt, he said, no, no, that's deliberate because the door to the heart can only be opened from the inside to Jesus. I was showing this painting to my son a few years ago, Ben, and uh, I, I was trying to, we were, we were acting it up, we were really going big time and I, I was going crazy with him. I said, I said, hey, Ben, look, what are we going to do? How's Jesus going to get in? There's no handle on the door. It's a crisis. What are we going to do? And Ben just shrugged and he said, he's going to have to go around the back. I said, what do you mean go around the back? He said, well, you know, Jesus will have to go to the back door. I said, Ben, there is no back door. And he said, yes, there is. And that's kind of how that conversation ended. But I just want to assure you today that there is no back door. And Ben, if you're watching, there is no back door. There's only one door and the handle's on the inside and you have to open it by listening to Jesus and responding and asking him to come in. And when you do that, He brings the takeaway. He says, I'll come in and eat with you. Amazing that God would come into us. But that's what he's promised to do. Obey, walk, listen. As I've been talking about these things, if you're feeling like me, well, nobody's ever managed this. Nobody's ever managed to fully obey God, to walk with God, to listen to God. I've fallen short of that standard like the people of Israel did, then you'd be right. 
And Israel faced the judgment of God because of that. But when we say that nobody has done that, there's one person who did. And his name is, of course, Jesus. And Jesus did walk with God. He did obey God. He did listen to God and do what God said. And the wonderful thing is he did that on our behalf. And when Jesus died on the cross as our substitute, he substituted our disobedience for his obedience. He substituted our lack of hearing God for his ability to hear and do the will of God. And today, the offer is there for us to come into this new covenant where we can trust him and he will forgive our sins and he's found a way to relate to us. Let me just read you one final few verses from Jeremiah 31. Because this phrase that we read earlier about God being our God and us being his people, it comes up again. There's a hope in all of the prophecy about destruction in Jeremiah and judgment to come. God promises that there's a new covenant. And he says, I'll put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. I'll be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they'll all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Jeremiah brings future hope in a challenging time. Today, we can have hope in a challenging time. If you let Jesus into your life, he'll inscribe his word into your heart and into your mind. And you can know a relationship that goes beyond any relationship in this life. You can discover a faithful God who loves you, even when you falter through feelings of faithlessness. And today we're just going to respond to him by celebrating and enjoying for a moment his great love for us. We love because he first loved us and his faithfulness to us calls out the very best faithfulness from us. Amen.